Memorial Day weekend, and we are remembering those who have sacrificed so much and th for this country, believing in something uh, beyond what is apparent. You know, the dream of America is something that is not necessarily what we're seeing played out. The dream is the thing that is written in the Constitution that everyone, by God, has been given the right to freedom, to pursue opportunity. That's the dream from the founders. So the dream exists. And all the practical stuff we see unfolding, ah, that's something else. The dream exists. The dream is beyond that. It's a concept to pursue. If you've wondered why there are groups of people who have turned on, well, look at America. Look how they're acting. Look how people in this group or that group, how they've turned on each other. And we're divided and the dream keeps going. That philosophical umbrella that covers it all continues. It hasn't gone anywhere. And we have this element that is part of all that we are. And so we had a Memorial Day remembrance here this morning with a uh, tie-in to uh, the dream and what that means. But if you noticed, our hope is built on nothing less. It's not this country. It's not our military, our police, or politicians, thank God for that. We have a Savior who the founders believed in and held fast to, and they said it's because of Him that we need to do something to make it possible for people in this land to have opportunity to pursue freedom. And it wasn't about free stuff, which is the drive today. It's about freedom, so we're moving in a new direction, and we're going to go see what it is that God has in mind for us. So here we go. You ready? Heroes of God message. We're going to go with Moses to start with. We are going to go with Moses, who has uh, given us a... Uh, a heroic figure in the past, a biblical heroic figure. So we are going to go and discover all that he has for us uh, in this hero. And not only him, we have some others. So it's heroes of God. Now I want you to, to picture this, this working of God in the lives of, of an individual who takes things to a new level and makes it possible for other people to be taken out of the pit. And the situation for Moses is God calls him and says, come and I want you to deliver my people. And by the time God talks to Moses about this new calling, Moses had an inkling that that was part of his, supposed to be part of his life early on. But he tried to press it. He tried to make it happen. He pushed it. He decided he would take things into his own hands and murdered someone. So that's, that unfolded. Then we have a situation now where he, he has come to recognize 
his own limitations. And those limitations caused him to regard God in a different way. He's humble. As he goes forth, he doesn't recognize that he has this great ability. God sees it, designed it, and placed it in him in the first place. But he has to come to a, to a, a time in his life where he is willing to humble himself before the Lord. So we've got a, a setting, a time. There's a purpose, and God calls a hero. So we've got time, we've got purpose, we've got God calling a hero, and he does it with Moses. Situation is the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt, and God wants them to come out and live in the land of promise. He'd started that way before the Egypt thing ever came about. That was the plan in the long haul. This wasn't about slavery. This was about following God. This people who were to worship him, connect with him, and God raises up an individual to be a hero, to enter into this place with those people at that time. From Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. This is God talking to, to Moses. Tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Exodus three sixteen seventeen. This is a, a, a calling from God. He says, this is what I want you to do. I've been watching the people. I see what's going on with them. And th this is the time. Here's the purpose. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm calling you as an individual to do. He's not, if you look at his resume, he doesn't have a resume as a deliverer. He's never had a lot of time bringing people out of slavery. He doesn't, none of those things. God calls him when he's a shepherd and says, I have this for you to do. That's a hero. So I'm going to bring you in to this place at this time to accomplish my purpose. And this is where I'm going to use you. You're going to fulfill your destiny, but you're going to make a difference in millions of lives as a result of what I'm about to do. So time's purpose, then there's a hero. That's Moses. We also have Samuel. Samuel. Samuel has time's purpose, hero, again. We're going to repeat that. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is a time later. The people are in the land of Canaan. So Israel, the people of Israel are there, but they have not been listening to the Lord. They've gone their own way. The book of Judges tells us that. They come in uh, following the Lord. They accomplish great things. And then Joshua and those who knew him, pass away they're off the scene and as a result of that the people go their own way they do whatever is right in their own eyes they turn against the Lord often they follow different gods different idols they listen to the customs of the cult of the culture around them and they identify more with the culture than they do with God and what he had called them to do and problems ensue it even happens to those who are in charge of the tabernacle the tabernacle with the Holy of Holies, the one they had in the desert, is now in Shiloh in Israel. 
And those in charge have failed to follow through. They have failed to connect with God. They have failed to do what he's called them to do. And we pick that up in Samuel. And uh, so 1 Samuel 3, 10 through 13, the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family. From beginning to end, I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. Samuel has listened to God. Samuel's working in the tabernacle. He's just a... Uh, a young guy who is assigned to do some labor in the tabernacle to help out with the priest. And now God is speaking to him and he raises him up to be a prophet. He hears from God. He, he has been taken there by his mom. Mom and dad release him. That's where he's raised is that tabernacle. This isn't a normal kid living at home. This isn't a kid trained in a military academy. This is a kid who's lighting the lamps, who's cleaning the floor, a kid who's just around the priests and seeing what goes on in the worship or what ought to be going on in the worship of Yahweh. And here in the middle of the night, he hears from God and God uses him. He brings him up at a time when there has been great silence. And we're told in 1 Samuel 3, Nobody's hearing from God. They've been quiet. Nobody's hearing from him. And then suddenly Samuel hears. Eli recognizes that Samuel is hearing from God and tells him what to say in response. But they'd been turned off. I mean, no longer were they hearing these messages that would guide the country, that would protect it. So God used a hero, a young one, Samuel. He raises him up and he says, you're the guy. I'm going to speak to you, you speak to them, let's get this thing back on track, and we're going to have to deal with Eli and his sons, the priest at the tabernacle, and clear this thing out. And they did. So there was a time, it was needed, God wasn't being heard, they'd rejected him, they're following other gods, they're listening to the culture again, they're doing what is common among the people around them. So, think about that. What, what is it that grabs our attention? How is it that we get distracted? What is it in our culture? The attitudes of people, the politics of people, the way people justify being angry and they're always, they want to be the top dog in whatever situation it is and tell everybody else how to do it. And That sounded a whole lot like Moses in those days when he was arrogant and thought, well, I'm going to do God's thing. I'm in charge here. I'll just kill that guy because I saw him do something I didn't like. What do we do? We just get angry. People on the road cut us off. People in the mall, people at Walmart, wherever we happen to be. And we can get pulled into that and think, well, anger is the way. Shouting is the way. Making sure I'm the guy the story is about all the time, and I get to be the center of attention. 
what does what is it in our culture that leads us to worship other things whether it's money or power or fame or just that I'm I'm the person at the time in the family or that I get to be the one at school or at work and I need to be rising to the top and be seen as that at all times and if I don't get that I have a right to be angry and God says huh I'll put Moses out in the desert for 40 years to see if I can't get his attention then after 40 years I think I can use him Samuel's watching this unfold thinking this ain't right and God talks to him and says nope that's not right. I'm going to have to deal with Eli and the boys because they haven't, they haven't been listening to me. They're practicing the evil that's happening in the culture around them. It's happening in our churches in this day. It's happening in homes in our day. And it doesn't take much to, to buy into the culture, to buy into whatever it is that grabs the attention of the people around us. And we miss out on what God has for us. God raises up heroes in the midst of dark times. Just like he to told Moses, I hear what's going on with the people. That culture is crowding them. And that culture around them believed in all kinds of gods. And those demons were powerful and they were coming down on the people of God. Same thing today. All around us, call them by different names and those pressures are coming in. And often we cave to those things and our people cave to those things and our churches cave to those things. And God is saying, no, just listen. I have something to say. Don't go that way. I have more for you. David, another one, he chooses. The times are tough. King Saul has, again, abandoned the Lord. He's wanting to run things. He, he wants to be the one who gets all the attention. He becomes very arrogant. This is a time when the people of Israel decided they want to be like the other countries, the other nations around them, and have a king. So they do that. They, they, they get a king. They get Saul, who's the tallest, best-looking guy in, in the nation and he's going to be the king so things go sideways now we got problems and God says I'm going to have to deal with him I'm going to have to replace him as king so he sends Samuel to go take care of that so we have times again a situation uh, that's unfolding with the, with the uh, country and God has a purpose and he's going to raise up a hero it's David, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, this is when God has sent Samuel to go find David to, or to find the, the next king that he's going to appoint. And he, he doesn't know who he is yet. This is when that's all unfolding in 1 Samuel 16. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel is even looking to replace Saul with another tall, good-looking guy. And God says, no, we did that. 
Let's not do that one again. That's not the way you pick a king. That's not the way you choose a hero. God looks at the heart. So he's looking at the heart, and he wants to put David in a place of position, a position of authority. Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said, and we will not sit to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Chose the one whose heart was right before God. That's the hero he chose. What a different way to look at this. You know, when you're running those uh, resumes and somebody's choosing, so who should, who should run for a political office? Who should be the CEO? Who should be, well, in our minds, you, you go through the list, you look at the resume, and you see what that guy looks like, that woman looks like, and you go, well, let's go with that. Hmm, God says not so. He's looking at the heart. He's going to raise up heroes. He's going to look at the heart. And he needs heroes in the times when people are turning away from the Lord, when they need strengthening, when they need protection. David's going to become the king, and he's going to turn things around in the nation. It, it goes an entirely different time. It's a golden age for Israel as a result of what he does. Heroes of God. Again, times, there are certain situations that are unfolding. God has a purpose, and he appoints a person, a hero, in that time. Hebrews 11 gives a summary of a number of those. So we've hit three in Hebrews 11, verse 32, and on down. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And they didn't receive all the promises from God in this life. They were too good for this world. Each one came at a particular time fit that situation 
had God's purpose and they were God's people, the hero of that time in their day. So who has been a hero of God for you? Who's been a hero of God for you? It could be a family member, a friend, mentor, a defender, maybe somebody who's an example. It can be current or historic. Somebody who's alive now, it may be somebody you appreciated who is in history and you've read their story, you've read their books, maybe they, they wrote things that have inspired you or, or spoke to you and they've provided guidance and they have been to you a hero. These biblical heroes are certainly, they fit that bill. And there may be others who have come along and been part of the things that are happening in your life who, that have played a part in shaping you and, and the way you respond to God, the way you deal with the culture around you, how you live your life is inspired by a hero who came into your life at a particular time and has met you and God has used them accomplishing his purpose and as a result they become a hero to you and being a hero that's you being a hero of God with faith you walk with God that's what we heard from Hebrews 11 the, the stories of faith there's just so many we don't have room to fill out we don't have enough paper to write all these down faith and there are certain times these are the times in which we live this is the culture in which we've been placed God put us here for this time in history of all times in history this one in this place because of his purpose to accomplish what he wants to do in this life and you get to play a part in the lives of other people you get to be the hero to somebody somebody in your family maybe a friend maybe you've been a mentor to somebody if you haven't maybe you are going to be a mentor to someone maybe you are going to have influence in another person's life to help them break free of the culture like Moses led them out of Egypt and break free from that to come worship God to walk with him and you get to be the hero to come into another person's life and maybe you've been that hero over and over and you don't even realize you don't recognize the part you have played in another person's life and since you're here and you're not in the ground then you still have time to be a hero play that part to live by faith to trust God that in these days in these times he has called you for his purposes to accomplish great things in somebody's life God's heroes are a sign God's heroes are a sign Hebrews 12:27 is just fantastic he goes through this whole list of all these things in 11 and continues with some great things in 12, but then with 27. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Only unshakable things will remain. What things? Well, the word, 
You know, God's going to be around. The Word of God's going to be around forever. And those heroes that he raised up, Hebrews 11, unshakable things. And you've had heroes around you, and you get to play a part in being part of that. And when you see these heroes, and you look through history, and you look through the scriptures, God's heroes are a reminder that he is at work. He's going to raise up his people at his time. When things look hopeless, it's not hopeless. Because God is at work. And that's a sign. He raises up the heroes. Maybe for one person, one family, one town, one nation. Raised up a great one in Jesus. That's global and for all time. But he's working in you too. So on this Memorial Day, you get to be one of God's heroes and what he wants to accomplish in this time. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there is no one like you. Thank you for being the God of great mercy and allowing us to come into your family. Thank you for the patience that you have had with us. Thank you for guiding, for providing instruction, for correcting us when we get it wrong, for picking us up when we fall down. Thank you for the heroes that you have brought, the heroes in the past, the heroes that are around us today, the heroes you are making of us all, and those who are yet to come. We thank you for them all, because these unshakable things will remain. In Jesus' name, amen.